Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It just opened my mind to the possibilities and the different quadrants and, you know, learning that I was just an employee and I, at the end of the day, I was only ever making someone else rich. I was never going to be able to make the big piece of the pie, I suppose, by just being a worker. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Brendan Shine a former pastry chef who found his love for property. You'll hear how the property investor changed careers drastically and successfully built up his property portfolio with his wife, how he overcame obstacles along his property journey and much, much more. We find out what Brendan Shine does and what his job description is. I currently own a lawn and garden maintenance business which I've been running for the last four years which I've built up to 130 regular regular clients Um, but property is my passion. I've been investing in property for the last 16 years and last year I decided to put my experience to work full-time and I'm in the midst of starting up a buyer's agency business. Um, That's where Strategic Property Acquisitions was born. He delves into what a typical day looks like for him. During the week, I generally try to get up around 5 a.m. First thing I do is get my coffee machine on. Got to start the day with a coffee. Um, In my house, the first hour of my day is generally the quietest, so I try to work on my mindset. So I listen to podcasts or I I try to read a book. You know, I've always got a book or two on the go at the moment. Um, And then generally around 6 o'clock, my two little girls generally wake up and that's the end of my, (laughs) my mindset work for the day and I generally help organise them with my wife, get you know, get the breakfast, get the lunches and get them out the door by about 7.30 and as I mentioned, I, I run a garden and lawn maintenance business so at the moment I'm working two to three days a week there. I've got um, a guy working with me as well so I organise him if I don't need to be there or I work with him and the other days I'm building up my buyer's agency business and so I spend my other days doing that and Saturdays I'm getting out to open homes, getting to know the, the local real estate agents and whatnot. And as a part of the BA business, I'm, you know, my, my time spent over developing relationships with brokers and agents, speaking to a couple of clients that I've already got and potential clients I've been introduced to. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing that and I'm researching and viewing properties on behalf of those clients and coming up with strategies and consulting on investment strategies that they may want to be doing and looking at the trends and I've been creating a few feasibilities. One of my clients is looking at um, doing a duplex so we're just going through that process at the moment to, to see you know, what it will cost if it's worth doing or not worth doing so yeah, that's generally my day. Before he was interested in property, Shine discusses how long he has been in the lawn and maintenance business for. I've been in that for, for the last four years so I moved back to the Gold Coast four years ago and we were in the, we had decided we'd build our family home then. We were built on the um, north coast up on the Tweed. And so I was with the builder, I had spoke to him and I said, you know, I'd like to work on something. I really 
wanted to work from the beginning to the end on a build just to, to learn all the procedures along the way. Like I've done a lot of renovations over the year, but this one was a complete build. So I wanted to spend the time. We had the money there, so I wanted to spend the time. And there was a delay in our starting of, of the build. So I thought, well, what am I going to do while I'm waiting? You know, I've, I've done a bit of landscaping before. My dad's a real keen gardener. So I thought, I'll just start mowing lawns. That will keep me occupied until we start the build. Well, next thing I knew, I had 10 customers, 20 customers. And yeah, over the last four years, I've built it up to 130 customers. A full-time, a full-time business. I had, I did have two guys working with me, but as I said there before, my passion really is property. So last year, I decided um, I'm going to change that, and I'm, you know, I, I came across a few, listening a few podcasts, heard about buyers agents, and that struck a chord with me. That was something that resonated with me. So I made a decision last June to, to start, start transitioning out. So I'm at that stage now. I've got all my licenses. I've got my business ready to go. And I've just secured a buyer for my business three weeks ago and hopefully that will settle next week for us and then we'll hit the ground running. Before discussing how he found himself in property, Shine shares a bit about his upbringing. I grew up um, in a town called Laidley. It's about an hour west of Brisbane in Queensland. Um, It's just a farming town out towards Gatton, so that's where they grow a lot of your fruit, uh, your veggies and everything. So yeah, it was just a country town. I think it was about 15,000 people in the town. Did you go to school around there or did you have to travel out? There was a a school there in town, it was about 600 people in the high school. So yeah, I I went to high school there and um, got my first job out there when I was in end of year nine. I I started working at KFC. My mum decided it was time for me to get a job. So she came home one day and she said, I've is an application for KFC. It's opening up in the next town across and yeah, I want you to apply. So yeah, I started working there. So mum would drop you off over there as well too and pick you up as well? That was it, yeah. So mum dropped me off over there. I I wasn't the, the brightest student, um, you know, I just plotted along. But yeah, I was. mum thought it was time for me to get a job. So off I went. Shine delves into how he got into the workforce once he finished high school. I started off in um, KFC when I was just coming up to 15 um, and I worked there for nearly two years and then in year 11 at high school there was a traineeship offered as a chef at a campsite about 20 minutes out of town. So I applied for that and I because I I enjoy cooking and hospitality was something that I did well at at school. So I applied for that and I got the traineeship out there. So I did that for two years while I was still in year 11 and 12 and I worked out there. And then after school finished, the first year afterwards, they took me on as a cook and I worked out there for another year as as a cook. And then I decided... I'd had enough and I wanted to move to the Gold Coast so I, I moved down to the Gold Coast and I got an apprenticeship as a baker pastry chef. I've got a bit of a sweet tooth so I thought that would definitely suit me. What inspired you to get into becoming a chef? My mum used to bake every Saturday and I would be there at home and I used, I enjoy, I used to enjoy doing that and as I mentioned, I have a bit of a sweet tooth so yeah, it was something I did well at school. You know, I wasn't the most academic student but um, you know, I was good with my hands. So, and like I said, I enjoyed cooking. So I thought, well, why not? At that stage, I was like, you know, this is something I like. It was never about the money or anything. It was just something that I enjoyed. So I was like, I, I'll, I'll pursue that. He goes on to explain how long he was a pastry chef after he moved to the Gold Coast, where he actually began his property journey. I moved down to the Gold Coast and I worked for one place for about six months, and then they shut down. So I went to another bakery down at Kira. 
And actually, that's where my whole property journey really started. I started working in there with the owner, Todd, and he also was into network marketing and passive income. So that's where he started talking to me, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, you know, it's not much really to talk about. No one else is around. And he started talking to me about, you know, he, that he was also involved in network marketing and passive income and, and started introducing to me all these different concepts, you know, about passive income and how he was training me to be a baker pastry chef. And there was nothing to stop me from in four years going up and opening a shop down the road and being his competition. But, you know, if you have a passive income or, or he was in with network marketing, he could train me up and I would be able to earn a passive and he would earn a part of it. And that really just opened my mind up to a, to a new world. So, yeah, it was working for him. He started talking about that and, you know, that started getting my mind thinking more about, you know, there's more than just working for the money that, you know, I could see how he was living, you know what I mean? He had a very nice shoot and it wasn't due to the, the bakery. It was due to his passive income from the networking that he was involved with. Shine delves into more about his previous boss as to how he was involved in network marketing and managed to run a bakery business. Him and his partner, they owned the, the bakery was called Ocean Breeze Bakery at Kira. So yeah, they, they had been running that bakery, I believe, when I came along maybe about six, seven years. And they had been introduced through someone they knew to network marketing. Um, so it, yeah, so when I came along and started working in the bakery, as I mentioned, you know, in the middle of the night, and been a young 21-year-old, he was like, you know, do you save for this? You, you know, he started talking to me about money and, and putting ideas in my head. And after a few months, he, you know, he, he, he had introduced me to, to reading Robert Kiyosaki, which was, you know, that was mind-blowing when I started reading um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all those other books by Robert Kiyosaki. It just opened my mind to the possibilities and, and, and the different quadrants and, you know, learning that I was, you know, just an employee and I, at the end of the day, I was only ever making someone else rich. I was never going to be able to make the big piece of the pie, I suppose, by just being a worker. Discovering his passion for property in such a peculiar way, Shine discusses how long he was in the pastry chef business before he eventually moved on. So while I was in my first year as an, an apprentice there with, with Todd and Tracy, the owners, um, there was a girl who worked out the front um, of the bakery. She was doing it while she was at school and when I came along, she was just finishing school and her name was Rihanna, who's now my wife, who... <laughs> Who at that stage? So Tracy was talking to Rhiannon at the same time, and Rhiannon was, you know, she'd been saving her money for the previous, I think, three years when I first started there, and she was ready to buy a property. She had read everything. She was as keen as could be to buy. So when we started today, and I was already reading, and because obviously doing night shift, so I'd be finishing around seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Um, I would then have the day to read and. She was. She started uni, so I would catch up with her when she was at uni. Or sometimes I was reading, and she was really keen. So that's what really formed the the propulsion of it. And within two years, like we'd saved up enough money, um, and we knew we wanted to buy a cash flow property. That was our aim. We weren't worried about growth. You know, at that stage, I was on a limiting limited income being an apprentice. I don't earn a huge amount of money. Rhiannon worked casually. Um, so between us, we, we had saved up $30,000 and one day she was at uni and she was skipping a class, you know, 
as uni students do, I suppose, sometimes. And we came across um, Mount Isa. And I'd heard of Mount Isa. I knew it was a mining camp, but didn't really know much about it. And, you know, she sent me a, an email saying, you know, I found this house for $130,000, um, four bedrooms, one bathroom, a single garage, and they only want 127000 for it. And the rentals on it's two sixty. And I was like, what? You know, we had been looking for probably a good 12 months by this stage, going around Brisbane, Gold Coast, gone out sort of west back towards Ipswich, and we couldn't find something that met our criteria, our strategy. So when we came across that, all of a sudden, we both did a bit of a deep dive into Mount Isa and, you know, we had learned that Extrata had just come into town previous to this and was putting a lot of money into the town and that they were expanding the mines. So we jumped in and, you know, that, we, we, that was our first house. We bought that. I was only in my third year of my apprenticeship and, yeah, I, we made our first house purchase. The former pastry chef shares with us the kinds of baked goods he would create in the bakery before you fell in love with property. We did our, a normal bread run, so your wholemeal, your white, your multigrain, your, your sweet buns. And then we also did, we made everything from scratch in our shop. So we didn't buy anything in. So we, we then made all our pies, our pastries, all the you know all your different flavored pies. And then just your standard sponge cakes, eclairs, um, you know, jam and cream donuts. You know, it was it was a standardised sort of bakery. It wasn't a high end bakery. You know, being right across from the beach there at Kira, so we get a lot of surf guys coming in, people down on the weekends, and then your people in the local hotels and resorts that would pop in for their, you know, a croissant or a, a muffin, or you know, and they also did basic sandwiches and cappuccinos and everything. Coming up after the break, we hear about Brendan Shine's worst investing moment. I would say my biggest thing I have learned was when the GFC hit, we bought a, a boarding house, a share house accommodation, and we bought that in 2006. The amount of properties he has invested in over the years? Over the last 16 years, I've probably had about 14, 15 properties go through our portfolio. I currently still hold a couple of properties in Mount Isa. We currently hold seven properties at the moment. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Brendan Shine looks back at his time at the bakery and delves into where he learned his money skills. Working with them, tell the honest truth, I didn't, I wouldn't work out the front much, but my my now wife Rianne, she definitely did work out there, and you definitely learnt the the cost things that would come in and out. But I suppose for me, my where my money skills really came from was from my parents. Um, my parents were, you know, average people. My dad was on a disability pension as I grew up. He had an accident in the late 80s and hurt his back and he was put onto the pension because he couldn't stand up for too long, couldn't sit down for too long. You know, we, we were a comfortable family, but my parents had very good money management skills. You know, they put away their money. They knew what bills were coming up and, and they would put away a bit of money every week towards those bills. So. That definitely was an impression on me. So when I started working, you know, my mum and dad gave me a little folder and they said, right, okay, you've got rego, you've got fuel, you've got, you know, maintenance of your car. You know, if you're working now, you're going to need equipment. 
so forth. So that was a, a very good installment in me. So I started putting away my money every week and that's how I ended up saving my money. I mean, I wasn't a big party person and obviously working, I worked six nights a week in the bakery. So I didn't go out a lot. So I, I was able to save my money and that's, you know, that's where we started off. I think we sort of got into property and we, we read the fundamentals from Robbie Kiyosaki and other books and we put them into practice. And I think we were both very eager and we sort of just jumped in to the deep end and learnt on, on the go. It really was a, a baptism of fire. Shine shares with us the next path he took after working in the pastry chef business. I did that for three and a half years. Um, so, what was I was in the bakery about two years. We bought bought our first property and we bought a second property within a couple of months. Our mortgage broker at the time said, you know, we only put down 15000 on the first pr- property. At that stage, the banks were lending out money hand over fist. So, you know, we borrowed 97%. We rolled everything in and only cost us just under the $15,000. So, the, the lender said, you know, you could buy another property. We're like, can we? Okay. So, we literally went back out and look for another property again in Mount Isa because things were starting to move and that's where we bought our second property. It was a three-bedroom, one-bathroom, double garage, woolly renovated house that was a, a divorce um, that was going through. So, it was a stunning house. That was 127000 and at that stage, it was renting for 260 a week. So, again, it was cash flow positive. You know, It wasn't a huge cash flow but it was paying the bills and putting some money into our bank account every week. Sounds like you were able to pick up bargains at that point in time as well too. It was. It, we were at the, at the entry level of the market and, you know, my parents seen what we were doing and, you know, they were, my mum was a bit cautious about it but my dad, he was quite, you know, pleased and, you know, he said to me, well, I've got a little bit of money saved up, you know, I'm not getting a huge interest and because I was always talking, I want to buy another one, you know, properties are so cheap. My dad turned around and said, okay, I'll lend you $50,000, but you have to pay me 2% higher than what I'm getting at the bank. And I was like, okay, I can do that. You know what I mean? Why not? You know what I mean? It's just sitting in the bank. My dad, my dad, uh, I was very fortunate. Dad had faith in me. He could see what we were doing. And Rianne was doing. And yeah, so he lent us our money. So we very quickly, or about another two or three months later, we had built a very good relationship with the agents up there and one of the agents came to us and said to us, we've got a, a sale. It's Again, it was another divorce settlement. They just want to sell it for what they owe as the mortgage, um, So, which was 97000 plus our stamp due to get in. And so we bought that and about two weeks after it got unconditional, the agent said, would you be interested in selling it? And we're like, well, not really. And she goes, I've got someone who's really keen. It's, it's you know, they were looking at it but they couldn't act quick enough you I said okay well what can we get for it and she said well I'll go you know I'll go talk see what we can do she came back and they offered us 129,000 and we went sold (laughs) so in a a very short period you know once it settled and you know went through registry and everything and we're able to to on sell it we you know introduced us to the whole flip concept you know we'd been reading steve Steve mcknight and other ones you know so we thought we'll put that into practice and yeah so we we sold that one and you know it wasn't a huge profit on it but you know it was more than a year's wage for me in the bakery so you know I couldn't complain. Since then, how many properties would you say you've bought, sold or even have in your portfolio at this point in time? 
over the last 16 years, I've probably had about 14, 15 properties go through our portfolio. I currently still hold a couple of properties in Mount Isa. We currently hold seven properties at the moment. Um, but yeah, so we started off, like I said, in Mount Isa and we bought the, the, the two houses, then we flipped one. And then with that bit of money we, we got from that and the bit of money that my dad had lent me, I started doing more research and one day I, while I was researching, I mustn't have put in just houses because that's all I thought I could afford. You know, I didn't want a unit or a townhouse and I must have open searched and it came up with blocks of units and all of a sudden I seen a house and it said all one bedrooms, 115,000. I thought, oh, that can't be right. And I went into it and, and it was, it was an old house that had been split into four one bedroom units and it was for sale for 115,000. And I went, hmm, rang the agent. Yep, that's right. And I said, how much are they renting for? She said, oh, $80 a unit, like $360 a week. But, you know, so <laughs> that was our next purchase. And that was a really big aha moment for me. Like it's been in my reality that, you know, we could only buy houses. I, I didn't even dare dream that I could buy a block of units. Like it just wasn't in my reality. So, you know, once that happened, all of a sudden I'm like, well, if I can buy this, what else can we buy? So we fortunate we still had the money. So a few months later, we, we came across a, a bedroom boarding house um, and that was 150000 So, and at that stage, they were renting for about 60 and $70 a week. So again, it was, I think it was about 25% return on our investment on that one. It was a rundown place and, and we knew we were going to have to do some work to it. But, you know, we, at that stage, we're like, yep, okay, we, we can do this. So that's where we went. Um, and about a year, so a year after owning those properties, I went up to Mount Isa to have a look at one of our rentals because the tenant had moved out and the, the agent had said to us, you know, it probably needs a bit of work. And as I said, we, we like to jump into things. So I decided I would go up there and, put my handy skills to, to work, which I had never done before, but I thought, you know, why can't I do it? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and so I went up and I was, you know, it needed new carpets and, and painting. I thought, yep, I can do that. And then while I was up there, one of the neighbours, he was an electrician who worked at the mines, he sort of said to me, oh, you know, would you be interested in a, in a job up here? You know, what, you know, what do you do? And I thought to myself, they're not going to hire a baker, you know. I've got no skills in the mine. And he said, just, just write up what you've done, you know, what you're doing. So I did that. And 24 hours later, I got a call from a, a superintendent at the mines asking me to come in for an interview. And two weeks later, I was working at the mines. And I gave notice to my boss. And, um, yeah, I decided I would work at the mines. <laughs> at that stage, we were still dating. And she was still at uni down there. So... Yeah, we obviously before I accepted the job, we we had a, a bit of a conversation about all of that. We weren't living together at that stage. She was still living at home. I was um, living back with my parents. My parents had in this time bought a house down on the Gold Coast, and I moved back home to to help save with my money. And obviously, because I was working night shift, I didn't really interrupt with anyone else. So I was sleeping during the day, and then I got up at the night. So it worked quite well for us. So yeah, so I, I decided I'd move into this one bedroom unit of ours and I would um like I said I would renovate while I was there and I, I started working in the zinc lead processing plant there. They they mine zinc and lead is one of the mines up there and 
yeah, I had no clue what I was doing, but they, I turned up on my first day and they said, okay, you, you stand underneath this machine and you just hose the concrete. And I did that for 12 hours. It sounds very much like using your hands and you, you know, you've got a very strong skill set in that. So it wasn't really um, too much of a difference except that instead you'd be standing there for 12 hours. And st- it was amazing. And at that stage, you know, that was, I think it was about 2006, they were really looking for people. So I went on to what they called the pool gang, which is just maintenance. So hosing up underneath the big grinding mills where they grind down the zinc and the lead so it can be processed. Um, doing basic repairs with things. But yeah, so I was doing that for about two weeks and then my supervisor asked me if I'd be interested in going on shift and I'm like, well, what does that entail? And he said, well, instead of doing Monday to Friday, you'd start working four days on, four days off, four nights on, four off. And basically you'd be working up here where they like learning how they process the zinc and lead, so grinding, flotation, and all of that. And I went, okay, and I've got a $7,000 pay rise. And I was like, you know, this is, <laughs> this is this is great. So I went up to just over 70000 Coming from a bakery job where I was earning about 30000 I was wiping my hands scale. I thought, this is the, the best gig in the world. With all the properties he has invested in, he shares one of his worst property moments. I would say my biggest thing I have learned was in, when the GFC hit, um, as I mentioned, we, we bought a, a boarding house, a share house accommodation and we bought that in 2006 and while I was working at the mines, we, we started renovating that property and you know we, we, we spent nearly $100,000 on completely gutting the place and redoing it up. And at that stage, there was a lot of companies coming into town because things were going quite well with the mining industry. And we ended up landing a tenant who would take over the whole property. And they were an earth-moving company who had contracts with smaller mining companies. So, you know, we, we had a a lease with them for three years. It was set up at a, at a hundred and four thousand dollars. It was, you know, it was fantastic. And next thing, the GFC hit, and the company that who we had, they were fine, but the smaller mining company that they were doing a lot of the work for went belly up. So they didn't pay their invoices, which then meant he had to let go of his guys, and then he couldn't pay. The rent on the property and that was a very big wake up for us we, we were fortunate that we had the buffer there to cover the drop in rent of you know we, we basically overnight lost two thousand dollars a week in rent and there was there was no one there that we could take on um you know a lot of the companies were scaling back down so it was like okay you know we really need to <laughs> be aware or not take it for granted i think we at that stage it was all roses everything was fantastic and we were you know acting like this was going to be forever and that was something that caught us out so we were were fortunate that that the gfc with when the gfc hit we had a buffer um we had been doing the work on the other properties we had renovated some of those properties and we had drawn down equity and we had sold off two of the houses and one of the blocks of units we had bought, we, we had cashed up, so we were fortunate. But that was definitely a big learning curve for us, which we still hold today 
What happened to, I guess, that particular property? Did you just complete, just ride out through the wave and then you know all the other properties sort of helped that one out? That's exactly right. Actually, it was nearly vacant for a year before we could see. Yeah, so it, it sat there. We, it wasn't boarded up, but we had a big electric gate on the front of the property. So, you know, that was shut off or we used to have chairs and tables outside because the way the property was set up, it was a big long veranda that led into eight different bedrooms and there was a kitchen and a bathroom and a laundry in the middle of the building. So we used to have tables and chairs out for the guys. We had a couple of barbecues there. So basically we packed everything up, shut the gate on it, put a lock on it until we could find a tenant. We didn't want to just put individual tenants back in there because we had had a lot of trouble with that. Um, so it, we just basically decided to to ride that out until it came to the other side. That would have been quite a tough challenge, especially when you say it was like $2,000 a week. That's almost like 100K a year of income that you've lost. It was a massive loss. And like I said, we were just fortunate that obviously our mortgage on the property at that stage was only about 220000 So it was more the passive side of it that, you know, we had lost and, and, and we weren't living off the passive income. We were all the money we were generating up until then, we were just re putting back into it. We didn't have kids and we were very bullish about our, our property. So basically as the money came back out, we were and growing and learning new skills, we were reinvesting. So it actually turned out when that happened, we were in the midst of building our first set of duplexes back on the Gold Coast. And and we you know, we were lucky we by that stage, we had moved into using a business banker. And when this happened, he said, well, you're already all pre-approved. I mean, you've got the cash buffer there. It's not going to affect you. So, you know, there was a few nights of, is this going to affect our build? We've got a construction loan. But we were, we were lucky. It didn't affect it. So we were able to keep moving and, and, and ride it out until we could get another tenant in there. Inspired by Brendan Shine's journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory where we talk about the moment where everything just clicked. To tell you the honest truth, my aha moment is something that is always evolving. It really is. His driving factor for getting into property investment. My dad had, was on a disability pension so there was never a, a lot of money. We were comfortable but as... I started working and I started learning about passive income and, and, and what it could offer. It became a really big draw for me to, to be able to be financially able to be able to do things that I wasn't able to do as a child. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. 
Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 